Hello and welcome. I'm your hostess, Tanai, and I'm an intuitive coach. I help people feel fully self-expressed in their lives and relationships by learning to accept and love every part of themselves. For the past 10 years, I've worked with all kinds of sex and relationship experts to heal my own commitment phobia, to find out that there's actually no such thing. I'm ready to share everything that I've learned. So this podcast is my opportunity to debunk commitment phobia. So drop all your preconceived notions and tune in to hear what I've learned along my journey about what it takes for people to really create authentic and intimate connections. This is Commitment Phobe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Commitment Phobe. Today, we're going to have a little bit of a different spin on the subject with Paige Wilhide, who is a breakup coach based out of L.A., And Paige and I have actually never met. We know each other through a community of women that um, two of our friends and coaches, um, Ellie Montgomery and Amy Batuski, have created. And so that's how I got connected to Paige. Paige, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was telling you before we started recording that I absolutely love this concept for a podcast. I love the title. I can totally relate. So I'm like really excited to dive in. Awesome. And um, will you tell everyone a little bit about what you do as a breakup coach? Yeah. So I help people through the breakup process. And there's sort of three different milestones that I help people through. The first one is you're in a relationship and you're not sure whether to stay or go. And maybe that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Um, the second one is right after the breakup and dealing with the fallout and, and you know, your life looking a lot different than it did before. Um, and how do you rebuild from there? And then the third milestone is somebody who has been broken up for a while, but still is attached in some way and um, is really ready to finally let go and move on. So those are those are sort of the three points of a person's journey when they come to me. And I work with men and women. I do one-on-one coaching, and I also have a an online membership community for heart. So that's a little bit about my my business. Mm-hmm. Of it all, awesome. Yeah, that was so beautifully said. How long have you been doing this? Um. Oh gosh. Well, you know, it's so interesting because when I look at my journey, I'm like. Of course, I've been groomed to be a breakup coach through my own experiences. I have broken up so many times and gone through so many flavors and mm. uh, iterations of breakups. And so so it's like my whole life, essentially, since I've, you know, my whole dating life, I've been uh, on this path, but really fully stepping into being a coach for since last September, since September of uh, 2020. So nice. Yeah. And, um, and where would you say you are on the commitment phobe spectrum? <laughs> From zero to 10. <laughs> so for, for me, I love commitment. So mm, I'm sort of like, I I'm, yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny because it's like, I'm on, I would say I'm on the opposite end of the commitment phobe spectrum like I'm a commitment fiend and I like grip I grip to commitment I really like 
in, in, in so many places I'm, and I'm really seeing this very recently actually is there are so many places in my past relationships where I have forced a relationship or forced myself to fall in love with them or to feel mm. those feelings of love. Right. And, re- and what exactly, what, how exactly did that look like? What was the, what was the forcing exactly? Um, the forcing is, it looks like me saying all the right things, right? I have, I have a, a background in acting. And so I'm, a, I consider myself a very good actress uh, in, in many ways. And so I can really convince myself too. It's not just about like convincing the other person. I truly can convince myself that I am deeply in love with this person and this person is my person. And because of that, like I'm able to fool everyone around me into thinking that this is like the thing when actually the real truth is I, I was like pushing something beyond the, beyond the point of my range. I was forcing it like too fast. So I couldn't actually feel what the next right step was for our relationship. Right. You were just focused on this obsession, like on the, on the, the drama, the feelings, the The drama, the the dreams, the drug of it all. Like it just, Mm. it's an addiction for me. Right. And it's so interesting because, you know, I, I said to you before we hopped on, on the recording that I would feel trapped in relationships because I wasn't being honest. And so in a way it was also a form of acting. It was a form of acting that everything was okay. So it's like either you're, you're forcing the okayness or you're hiding that, you know, nothing is okay. Totally. Totally. So both, both spectrums, like they're both very similar and they just, they look very different, right? One looks like, oh, I'm avoiding commitment. I'm going to, I'm going to like protect my heart and close off. And then the other one is like, I'm going to jump right into commitment because I'm afraid of like actually feeling what the truth is. So in both situations, you're avoiding the truth. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so key. The truth avoidance. So why don't you tell us how you got into, you know, coaching people through breakups, which of course, I'm sure is the question you get asked most often. Yeah, well, you know, I went into I, I started my personal development journey after a really devastating breakup. I was the man who I thought was going to be the father of my children. And we were going to get married. We had met each other's families. We were deeply in love. And um, he called me one day and admitted to cheating on me. And that was, that was the beginning of the end. That was not the the end, but it was the beginning of the end. And um, from there, I, I had the, it was like a big wake up call moment for me because I looked at that relationship and then I looked at all the previous relationships and I was like, something's not working here. What is the common denominator? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's me. (laughs) That would be me. That's the common denominator. So I dove head first into personal development and, you know, you know, you know, some of our mutual friends who really like the charge for me and led the way, but they inspired me to go down these paths and follow some of these breadcrumbs. And during one of those, on one of those paths, I ended up inside of a coaching program container where they were teaching people how to be coaches. I had no desire at the time to be a coach. I 
I signed up for this because I wanted my own healing and my own transformation. And from there, I think like for a couple, for a little while, I was like really denying this desire to be a coach. I had my own resistance around it. I had my own stories around like the coaching industry and what it means to be a coach and all of these things. And um, it was like during COVID that I got this, this hit of clarity that not that my old business was just not working for me anymore. And it's time for me to fully step in to being a coach. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's where this kind of all took me. And you know, when you choose a profession like breakup coaching, you're really telling the universe to send you all of the opportunities to learn about breakups. <laughs> right. So once I once I like made this this choice, I uh, went through a breakup uh, and then have been in some interesting relationship situations where I've, it's, it's really been a test for me to communicate clearly with the person, um, to be honest, to move slower in situations, right? And to really give it, give myself a chance. Yeah. Because even on, on my end where I've been on the opposite side, I feel like you know, taking things slower would have definitely kept me from running away so quickly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you talk a lot in your, in your posts and your uh, blog about feeling your feelings and that's what giving yourself time provides for, you know, really feeling your feelings, really understanding where is this coming from. So yeah, I really got on that. So I find that the, the pace at which we are supposed to move is so much slower than we think it is. Like the pace at which our system really wants to move and be in relationship with each other, with other people, is not the go, 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 hustle kind of pace that we're used to moving, right? So when we're in relationships, it's a much more, you you know, you and I have this context of feminine versus masculine, right? So it's like a much more feminine gentle, unfolding pace of relating to people. And so that's something that I've been really learning. Yeah. In your life and with your clients, what do you see has been the impact of that, of not being aware of this, you know, need for slowness and flow? I mean, to be honest, there are some calls where for with my clients where we just, I'm like, we're just going to slow down for this whole call. We're going to go into one little piece. And it's so transformational because they get on the call and they're like, this happened, this happened, this happened. And their system's so fast that I can't feel them. So it takes like 30 minutes for us to really just start to slow down, you know? And um, it's like getting from... It's for them to get from their head to their heart, really, because when they're living in their head, there's just all these different things running and running and trying to feel a sense of control. But if you just slow down and come to your heart, your heart knows your intuition is saying something. A hundred percent. And it's a little whisper, right? We can't often hear it over the noise of the the sirens and all of, you know, all the stuff that's going yeah. on in our head. So, so actually, now that you mentioned that, looking back in your relationships, do you see where that little voice was saying to you, this person isn't that into you or you're not that into them? A hundred percent. 
A hundred percent. Every time I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, that little voice was actually my truth. And I was denying it. I kept shutting it down and being like, well, come on, Paige. Like, he's doing these nice things for you. He's willing to take you out to dinner. He wants to go on a trip with you. He, like, you know, like, you're, you're, the sex is good. So there were all of these reasons why I should be with him. And it was those reasons that, that kept me in the relationship longer than, quote, I should have. And I, I put right. that in quotes because I think every relationship length is perfect in the exact amount of time. Right. It happens exactly for whatever lesson you need to learn. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So what do you tell clients when, you know, when you get them to that point to realize that they have this little voice that said, you know, something's off here. How do you get them to go from a place of victimhood to a place of you knew it the whole time without being like, you know? Yeah. I mean, in it, from an empowering place. Totally. Totally. I think one of the biggest distinctions is to look at everything in your life as if it's happening for you. And that's my, that's my tagline for my business is turn your breakup into the best thing that ever happened for you. Because so often, right, we get into situations and it's like, they did this to me. They're making me feel this way. They cheated on me. They left me. And that is such a disempowering story. And you have a choice. You have a choice to change that narrative for yourself. And flip it around and say, okay, this, this happened for me. What's the gift here? What's the opportunity? What do I have to get from this? And so we do a lot of excavation on looking at where are all of the places that you have something to learn. Yeah, so beautiful. Um, it reminds me too of, you know, I've, I've had clients who can't get over someone. And um. And I work with them on getting present to the payoff that they're getting from being with someone who isn't available. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I love that you're sort of on the other side of this. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, now I'm just like, all right, let, let's get into the other side, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> were there times when you felt like you were dating people that couldn't commit? And why did you feel like, um, how did you feel like that was happening for you? Um, yeah, well, the, the breakup that I told you about that really got me into personal development, I, uh, I have an anxious attachment of, uh, pattern and he okay. has, yeah, well, can you tell the listeners, um, what the attachment styles are? Yeah. So the, so attachment styles for, if you don't know, are, um, are ways that we perceive essentially, essentially it's like ways that we perceive love. Right. And so it, it has, it goes back to how our first caregivers gave us love. And then it, it manifests lives in, in many different ways. So an example for me is that I, in my own, in my own life is I'm anxious attached, which means like I get very tight around the relationship. Like I need that person there. I get fearful that they're going to leave. And so I grip to the relationship. And for me, that comes from a fear of being abandoned. That happened when I was very, very young. I lost my sister. And so I have this, this fear that has subconsciously ruled a lot of my relationships until I, you know, saw it and integrated it and all of that. 
but I had this fear that was ruling my relationships. And so I was attaching and clinging, right? And my my boyfriend at the time was avoidant attached. And that means that you are that you run away from from intimacy, right? And you as much as you possibly can like don't you don't want intimacy mm-hmm. because it's scary for whatever reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It all it all stems from some kind of fear. And uh so it's not a very healthy relationship when you have an anxious attached person and an avoidant attached person because what how common is it for them to come together totally common because here's the thing is like your I believe our exes are some of our best teachers right and so we call these people into our lives so that they can heal something in us whether we know it or not usually we don't know it usually it's subconscious so we call them into our lives because there's something for us to get or heal or learn from them. And then if that if it doesn't heal in that relationship, it's going to come up again and it's going to come up again and it's going to keep being like a flashing light. Then it's going to start hitting you on the head and then it's going to start like, you know, throwing you around because it does not go away until you really address it and heal it. Right. And people are like, well, this has always happened to me. It's like, you're creating it. (laughs) Right. There is still that constant, which is you, you haven't responded differently to the situation. So you're going to keep creating it in your life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so bringing it back to you in this relationship, what did you see there for yourself and, and how did you go about healing? Yeah. So what I, what I saw was like this very clear pattern of the the avoidant man and the and well of the avoidant partner the anxious partner and yeah. the more he avoided the more anxious i got and i would be nervous i'd be waiting up for him i'd wait for him to call me i would like grip more to the relationship and the more i gripped the more he got the more he ran away and it was this like cat and mouse thing that just started making me feel so depleted. Like I was exhausted because I was putting so much energy and attention into this relationship where I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't getting anything back. So that, it just was like a very, very clear textbook pattern for me. And when I was able to see that, it was, it was so, it's just like, you know, once you notice it, it starts to sort of alchemize and it start, mm-hmm. it starts to move. Just the noticing of it, you're like, oh, okay, never realized I was doing that before. And then it, then it can heal and, and integrate a little bit better. Yeah. When it, yeah. When you realize, you know, that this is the pattern that you're in yeah. and you're dating someone who is avoidant, um, what did you learn from that, from that and how did it lead you to your healing journey? So um, what I learned from that relationship was, oh God, so many things. I'll say the first thing is I learned to, to not give my power away so easily. I learned how to stay taking, like continue taking care of myself no matter what, which was a really big thing, an essential thing that came into play in my next relationship. Because had I not learned the lesson from the one before, 
had I still been giving all of my power away and been like completely codependent with this person, I probably never would have left that really. Like I would probably still be in that next relationship, if that makes sense. Mm. So it's like, yeah, right, it's sense. these steps that that every every new relationship is a chance to practice what you've learned from the previous one. And here's the other thing I learned that was real powerful is that you can't change anybody else. You can't fix anybody. Mm. And I, when, right. when we, you're not, you're not, you're no longer in a relationship if you're in it to fix them. Oh, yeah. Cause it, yeah, a relationship is all about accepting someone the way they are. And like you said, you're, you know, every partner you call in is to learn about yourself. So it's learning about what part can you accept in yourself that you're not accepting. And so together you're healing on your own, but mm-hmm. because of each other. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it was so this lesson was actually a very clear one. Like I knew it, but it really dropped in for me this past New Year's. So the guy, this guy, I dated him and uh, we broke up in like 2015. So it was six years ago or something. Haven't talked since then. Like we broke up and really cut things off completely. He calls me around December, like right, but right around New Year's. And basically made amends to me. Let me told me he was in he had gotten to some kind of rock bottom, went to a 12-step program, got some recovery for himself, like started doing the work on himself and called to make amends. And I don't say this as like a, you know, I won kind of thing because like I there was so much responsibility that I had in in the relationship. But um it's more of a wow, it would if I was still in that relationship and still like working on him changing, it could have taken this long. It could have taken these six years or longer. Wow. Like he changed yeah. without me. <laughs> he didn't need me to like show him the way. He's on his own path. Yeah. Because it it's about him as a person, not about your boyfriend or the person you're dating. Yeah. 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 We get so attached to who we see as our partner as opposed to this is an individual who is separate from us. You're so right. Yeah. You're so right. And we so project all of that onto them. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So this this is something that you just pointed out as like a moment where you realize, okay, that's a good moment to to break up and go your separate ways. And this, you know, I really wanted to bring this up of, you know, when's the right time to break up? Because as I mentioned to you before, um, I would have this pattern of because I would get so anxious with intimacy and um, closeness with another and I would feel so trapped that all I needed in that moment was almost like a nervous system relief. All I needed was was to feel calm again. And the calmness would come from breaking up with them. And then the minute that I broke up with them, I would feel fine. A few days would go by and my brain would go, oh, my God, wait a minute. You made a mistake. What did I just do? Yeah, which like I've seen you post on your Instagram, which is like, the post breakup when your brain is like, what? You just totally overreacted. Like, why did that feel Mm. like such a big deal? You should definitely come back together with them. And then, you know, it would keep going. I would get back together with them and then days go to buy. I start feeling anxious again. Um, I I would actually stop finding them attractive. Like the turn, it would be completely turned off. Mm. So I wouldn't even be able to kiss them anymore. Yeah. And so, so yeah, what do you see there? And, and what do you, how do you, you know, how do you d- determine when is the 
when is the appropriate moment to break up? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, there's so much to this question. Yeah. Uh, And what it, I mean, one of the things that it really comes down to is knowing yourself and really knowing what you need. And sometimes it will take these, you know, this process of getting into it, getting scared, freaking out, breaking up, getting back together. Like it might take a couple iterations of this process Mm. before you see. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is, is don't judge yourself for how it happens. No. Right. No. Because we do have this idea of like, break up clean, don't talk to them. And there's so much stigma around talking to your ex or getting back together and breaking up. Yeah. It, it's it's funny. Like I've, I've been talking to my friend who's a dating coach about this lately and like this no contact rule. And while I think for many people, it's great. It's not for everybody. Some people really need to take baby steps in setting a boundary, like just one little boundary with their ex, right? Not a whole no contact thing. So yeah, it's like everybody has a different breakup journey. It's not, there's no cookie cutter way to do it. And so I think a lot of the shame comes from seeing how everybody else is doing it or listening to the experts or reading the blogs about like- Yeah, the magazines, the the 17 magazines. Did you break up with a nar? How to break up with a narcissist or whatever? Uh-huh. And it's like yep. th- this is the answers are not out there. The answers don't exist. Like I don't have the answers. Do you know what I mean? I'm a mirror. Right. Do what do what feels good for you. Do what yeah. feels good for you exactly. And then after, like it'll become painful enough. <laughs> there will be a point where it is painful enough that you're like, why? what's going on? And you'll, you'll start to, you'll start to like dive in and reflect a little bit and, you know, dissect where, where you get scared, what happens when you get scared? Like, what's that trigger? And what does that trigger mean? Like, what are you making that mean in the grander scheme of things? Right. And diving, diving deeper into that and then like healing it a little bit. Right. And then you get a chance to, yeah, that's something Yeah, that's something that growing up, like when I was experiencing these fears, is something that would have really helped me to think it's not about being together or not being together. There's a spectrum of experiences that happens in between. And like you said, they're all happening for you. And it could be to understand yourself and to see what triggers you, what makes you feel certain ways, what do you want? And yeah, I love what you just said, that it will get uncomfortable and painful enough one day that you're just gonna stop. Yeah. Yeah. And so- What do you tell those clients that are in that loop for, let's say, like five years and um, and they're, you know, really hard on themselves for it? Well, you know, and and you mentioned this, too, is like there's a payoff, right? Mm -hmm. It's like there's something you're getting out of it. There's something like in the shadow that you actually really enjoy about this pattern. Because it keeps playing out, right? So it's like your your unconscious is starting to rule is like ruling this a little bit. And and that I think that's the thing to look at. Is like what do I actually enjoy about this? Mm. And bringing that into the light. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you read the book Existential King? Yeah. That's the totally what, like, that's exactly yes. what it feels like. If somebody is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, yeah. Give, can you give us some examples? And like, actually, will, will you tell the listeners what Existential King is? <laughs> and, um, and we could talk, we could talk about it together. Oh my God. And then I'd love to hear like, what are some things that are, that have come up around what, why people, you know, what people are getting out of, you know, sticking around in a relationship that doesn't serve them? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would highly recommend, like, I can't, I can't speak her words like she can. Carolyn Elliott, right. the author of, of Existential Kink, and she's amazing um, and has a lot of, a lot of sort of uh, philosophies that go into this whole, this uh, bigger theory. But she basically, postulates, I think that might be the right word, um, that, that having is evidence of wanting. So everything that you have in your life right now is exactly what you want. And if you're like, but why are all of the shitty things in my life right now? And it's like, well, you've actually, like your subconscious has created that. You're not aware that, that you want those things. But there is a part of you that's in the shadow that you've been shaming, that you've been judging, that you've been like pushing away that is creating that in your life. And there's a reason that keeps coming back up over and over again, because you, the more you shame it, the more you push it away into the darkness, the less you can see it. And then it just Mm -hmm. like, you know, I think the more powerful it becomes. Yeah. 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 It starts because you need a you need a ton of force to keep that there, you know, to keep that down. Oh, my God. So and much. So it ha- yeah. It has all this power over you. Exactly. Yeah. So like the victim is, is for example, a part of us that we keep in the shadow. And so the victim has these desires and with and then we shame ourselves for getting them as, oppo- as opposed to celebrating ourselves. Yeah. So celebrating the fact like, oh, my gosh, the victim in me just loves melodramas and I'm just. It really enjoying so much getting back together with this asshole <laughs> and proving that I do not deserve any better. Yep. It's exactly like that. It is exactly mm-hmm. like that. And then you can integrate that. Like you, once you can see it, you bring it into your life. And like you just said is all of a sudden the shame lifts off of it. Right. And there's this lightness to it. There's this like effervescence, this, this like, turn on behind it, you know, and then you get turned on Mm -hmm. by like all of the things you have in your life. And that only creates more having. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So beautifully said. And so, so you, you know, you're saying everyone has their own breakup and we all are getting this payoffs from staying in relationships or not. And so, you know, it's like having approval for all the breakups. Now, what's really important to take care of yourself and make sure you're staying true to yourself through these breakups? Yeah. So or or breaking up and getting back together, however it shows up. I think, okay, so I'll say one thing about being when you're in a relationship. And if you are, no matter what inside a relationship, both parties need space and breathing room. So it's really, really important that you don't smother each other that you don't, you know, compress each other down to like, you know, to so you can't breathe. It really is so important that you create me time so that you can come back to yourself. You can full, fill up. You can be a full human being coming back to another full human being. Um, and that's, you know, that's something that I've, I've had to learn through my, my work with codependency and all of that. So 
inside a relationship, that's one of the best things you can do if you're like wondering, is this right? Am I in the right place? Should I leave? Should I stay? It's like, give yourself some space that might be taking a break from the relationship. You don't have to totally implode everything and end it completely, but you might need a little break and that's fine. We take breaks, you know, Ross and Rachel Mm -hmm. took a break. I don't know how it worked out for them, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think breaks are also something, at least in my life that, that have, have been very taboo, you know? I think that that also contributed to me always being black and white, always being I'm either in this or not because breaks aren't real. Breaks are just hiding that you want to break up. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there's so much shame, I think, in our culture around taking a break. And this like, oh, my gosh, they keep breaking up and getting back together and breaking up and getting back together. And right. And that to to the outside world, there is so much meaning that we attach to a relationship like that. But if that's their truth, if that's the the path that they're following and that's true and real to them, hell yeah. Keep breaking up and getting back together. Like if that's what you want, hell yeah. You know? Mm, yeah. Wow. This is very new and groundbreaking. Like it's not, it's not something you hear every day. Is it really? Like, okay, yeah. Great. That, yeah. Absolutely. Like if that works for you, getting back together and keep breaking up, yeah, sure. Like go for it. There, I really, I love all creations of relationships. I think there are so many ways that people can create relationships that are not within the boxes that we're told to, to be in relationship with people. We can make it whatever we want it to be. And I think there's so much beauty there. And I'm really all about spreading that message of creating, recreating, rebuilding, breaking it down, repairing it. Like just it's, we are always evolving as human beings. And so our relationships are always going to evolve. They won't look the same forever from the day we met them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is sort of the new world that we're stepping into of just having more approval for all sorts of relationships. Yeah. Yeah. There isn't just one size fits all. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for someone who has a tendency to run away and has this avoidant personality, what is sort of what are the what is the coaching that you give them around how to determine whether, you know, the right thing is to break up or not? You know, because sometimes it can be so confusing. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Honestly, like journaling is so helpful. Journaling, meditation, get therapy, get a coach around it. Like that's been one of the most helpful things for me is is having friends and coaches who can reflect my blind spots to me because I can't see them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and can you tell a little bit more about what blind spots are in this case? Yeah, your blind spots are sort of what we've been talking about is like the the stuff in your shadow that you don't necessarily see, right? And I've started my personal development journey in Landmark, the Landmark Forum, and me too. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's, I Okay. We've taken very similar journeys then. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, <laughs> right. So in Landmark, they describe, they, you know, they draw this big circle and they're like, this is, these are, this is what you know. This is, oh, the whole circle is everything that you know. Then there's like what you know, you know, what you don't know, you know, right. There's some, what you kn- there's what you know and what you don't know. And there's 
what you know you don't know and what you don't, don't know that you don't what you know. don't know that you don't know and that's your blind spot the what you don't know that you don't yeah. know exactly yep it's been a minute but yeah so you're, you're, you got it <laughs> yeah so yeah that's your exactly. blind so spot. you're saying surround yourself with friends that um that can show you these things yeah yeah and it's gonna take a real deep level of honesty with yourself and like truly looking at is this is the reason that I'm leaving fear-based or is it desire-based? Hmm. And how do you, yeah, what would it both look like? Well, for everybody, it's different for everybody, generally. Yeah. Um, okay, so desire-based, it lives in your body. So desire, when you have like this desire for something, it comes from your your body. Usually like your gut or your genitals, like it'll come from the creativity centers of our bodies and, uh, and you'll feel it like you'll station, you'll know in your body. Once you, you know, we've talked about slowing down and using all of these tools, journaling, meditation to get into your body and slow down enough to feel that whisper. And that whisper is desire. And then the fear-based stuff is all in your head. So when you go into like the stories or what is it going to look like? Or, you know, if you're in your ego, if the ego is running the show, that is very fear-based. So right. that's usually, that's the distinction. And what I encourage people to do is really learn what a yes in your body feels like. Mm. That'll make such a difference. Mm -hmm. And do you think that, that in the end, there is just a fuck yes and a fuck no. I think there's some gray areas. It's like, I think there are gray areas. Um, so there's a, there's a saying that we, we say in our community is if you're not a fuck yes, you're a no. And I, I do agree with that. I do agree with that. And there can be in-betweens. I think with, with. Right. I figured you might say that because breaking up can be so messy. Yeah. Exactly. And it's allowed to be messy. It's actually supposed to be messy because it's the feminine. It's a, it's a, like I tell people I'm not in the breakup business. I'm in the death and rebirth business. Ooh. Yeah. Tell us a little more about that. Well, you're That's so beautiful. <laughs> I got chills saying that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you're killing off an old version of you. You're killing off an old identity of you, right? This the the person that you thought you were or the person you wanted to be is no longer there. So you you really have to come to terms and accept that that person is no longer around and there is a much more amazing liberated, free, open soul ready to be reborn from that. It's like the phoenix rising from the ashes, right? Like you can, mm -hmm. you can create so many people tell me when, you know, when I have like enrollment calls with people, they'll say, I just want to get back to who I was before. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't want to get back mm -hmm. to who you were before because you're going to, uh -huh. you're better now. You've learned all of these things. You've gotten, you've gotten smoothed out a little bit by your relationship and now you get to move forward. Right. Yeah. Why, why is that so hard for people to, um, to see at first? 
I think it's just like a very accepted thing, you know, and we, we do have this attachment to the beginnings of relationships because they're so full of turn on and excitement and lust and like heightened sensation, the beginnings of relationships. And then we spend the rest of the relationship trying to recreate that feeling, which is impossible. Mm, That's so real. Yeah. Yeah. And it just makes me think of how beautiful a breakup can be. You know, another thing that I I mentioned that I want to talk to you about was the honesty that is present when you break up with someone. If, If you choose to show up that way. I remember my college boyfriend when we broke up, we then it was in New York and we spent four hours at a, one of those 24 hour diners just talking, just saying all the things we didn't say the entire relationship. And it was so beautiful. You know, there was so much vulnerability, so much honesty. He shared things that he was just too scared to share and show me. Yeah, I I shared the, all the things that were really happening that caught, you know, that led me to want to break up because that in that moment, there's just nothing at stake. Yes. Yeah. And you're done pretending. Yeah. It's like, I don't have to be this person to you anymore. I can finally be me without the fear wow. of, of the, you know, the response here. And that's you. It's interesting you share that story because I have a very similar story with my my ex in New York that I was telling you about. Mm. Met at a, we met at a dive bar in New York and like had maybe a two hour conversation where we were both like, I'm not happy. I'm not happy either. And then we just poured our hearts out to each other. And it was the most connected I had felt to this man in many, many months. And we left like with so much love for each other and knowing that it wasn't the right thing. So it's beautiful. It's sad. It's melodramatic. It's like, you know, oh God, just like the screenplay writes itself. (laughs) Yes. But wow. I just, I love how we both describe these breakups like beautiful. You know, we we do romanticize the beginning of the relationship. And like you said, we just keep wanting to recreate it when the breakup can be such a beautiful process. Yeah. We really can reframe the breakup to be, you know, something we almost not look forward to. But like you said, it could be, you know, the best thing that ever happened to us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you can choose to make it that way. You know, it's it's a choice. Or you can choose to have it totally implode and be climactic and dramatic, which I've done those too. You know, there's, there's many paths. Right. Many, many ways of breaking up. Yeah. What, what would you say are some of, some of these little lessons that there are for people in, in breakups if you're, if you open your eyes to them? Well, the one, the one thing that, that I think is very fascinating is that most relationships end. Right. (laughs) Like they just do. Right. And so if you, if we can, as a collective society or just as individuals accept that and stop resisting the ends of relationships, we can leave at a point where it's resonant Rather than rather than pushing it and forcing it and leaving it a point where both people are living on oodles and oodles of resentment. 
mm. for each other. Mm-hmm. So if you can like really feel into the resonant moment of mm, this relationship has run its course, I think it's done and accept it and then part ways peacefully. It's It can be so gorgeous. Yeah, completely different than what we're used to doing or seeing. I guess it's sort of this whole new concept of conscious uncoupling. Is that is that a term that you yeah. use? Yeah, totally. And and it's it's just um I love that this is a thing. You know, I love that this is a thing that people are talking about and it's now I think there's like some celebrity couples who have made who have like put that on the map. But yeah, like conscious conscious uncoupling. It's how can you bring consciousness to everything in your life? Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. That's such a good question. <laughs> and so what what how will you define conscious uncoupling? Uh conscious uncoupling is basically what I just said. It's it is leaving the relationship when it is resonant to walk away. When it feels like when you feel the relationship has run its course and it's complete. We're not meant to be in relationships with people forever and ever. Most things in life are not permanent. Like most things, you know, most things are not forever. And uh, I think that's also, you know, since we're talking about commitment and commitment phobes, that's also something that you can really, um, that's something to embrace really is that. You're committing to something, but it doesn't have to be forever. You can commit for right now. And then tomorrow you can commit for tomorrow. Right. Changing the concept of commitment because we're so attached to being forever or for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when we get suffocated and that's when we get in our fear about it and the stories like, oh my God, this is forever. This person is going to be my... I have to marry this person. What? It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you have to sleep next to this person tonight if you want to. Mm. If you don't want to, maybe walk away. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the committing, the real commitment is to yourself. Yeah. Like the real commitment is to yourself. It's like, what's present for you? What do you want? What's your desire? What's your body saying? All these things that you mentioned, yeah. you know, slowing down, being aware of what it is that you really want, what's resonant. And it's never about the other person. That's the thing. It's always about you. I think that's like the theme of this whole conversation is it always comes back to what is it that you have to get? How is this for you? Mm. Right? What is it? Yeah. What is the way in which you are running away from yourself? It's not about the other. (laughs) (laughs) No. And it's on both sides for the one that's hanging on and the one that's running away. They're both running away. Yep. They're both self ab- yeah. it's self abandonment in in just different forms. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, would you say it's sort of a good idea to kind of hang on to a relationship until you work through that trigger that's triggering you? Like, wh- when do you know? How do you know when to do that? To just you know hang on until you work through that thing that's going to just keep showing up. Is it? Would you suggest to do it in a relationship or by yourself? Um, I think there are so many lessons to be learned either way. It's really like, it comes down to what is it that you feel is right? So if you, you know, I think once you start doing this work, like that you and I have been in this, this path of, of tuning into your body and listening to your body and trusting yourself, 
you will start to know much clearer what the answers are. So you'll, you'll know, you'll be in a situation and you'll say, Hmm, something, there's something for me to get out of this. I mean, I'm staying in this relationship to, you know, heal the thing that, that needs to be healed. Uh, and, and you'll know like that it'll just be so clear. And then there will be a, there might be a moment where it's like, no, I, I actually, this doesn't serve me anymore. There's no charge around this. It doesn't feel like mm. the thing for me anymore to get. So I'm going to walk away. Mm. Yeah. I love that you just pointed to um, making it about more than making the relationship work. Like there's this opportunity right in front of you to heal something, to learn something. And so it's not about continuing the relationship to make it work necessarily, but to see what's there for you, to see what you can learn and how you can grow in this given situation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, if you look at it that way, I think it takes a lot of the pressure off of the relationship having to work or the relationship having to be a certain way. And once, when we add that pressure on, that's when we start to lose our sense of self. That's when we start to, you know, suffocate Mm. and get scared. Yeah. Right. Like you said, I had to break up with you because I wasn't feeling like myself. Like that's when that starts happening. The self-abandonment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not about the other person. Yeah. That actually has been the theme so far of every episode. You know, my, my whole thing is it's not about the commitments. It's just about you. It's it's about the intimacy, the vulnerability, the um, exposing yourself. It's all just comes back to you and your self-worth and your relationship to yourself. Yeah. There is nothing more empowering than being in that conversation. Like, really? You, you're stepping out of victimhood. Totally. Wow. Ugh. So good. I love this conversation. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's so beautiful. We we really do have to change the conversation around breakups. We really, really do. We make them so scary, so dramatic, so the end of the world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We make them that way and society has made them that way. Like it's it is the narrative that we're living in. Um, and so yeah, I'm all about changing up that narrative Mm. and saying breakups are amazing (laughs) wow wow yeah damn like that you know mic drop right there breakups are amazing what is the most um what has been the most rewarding part of of your job so far oh my god i i love all of my clients like i just anytime i i like I'm feeling down or like having a day I get on, I get on a call with my client with like one of my clients and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is why I do what I do. So, um, let's see, that's not really an answer. What's the most rewarding part of what I do is just like seeing the transformation, like seeing people heal through just putting attention on their relationships and on themselves in relationships. Mm. I think that's been really rewarding. I mean, I absolutely love making content. I think it's so fun. Um, Oh, here's another part that's really rewarding is seeing people heal each other in my communities. Like it's not about, I, I hold really great space for people to 
feel safe enough to share what's going on with them and for them to heal. Like I've been doing a lot of clubhouse rooms, if you're familiar, and I have a VIP membership community. And so in these spaces, it's like watching people share their stories and then reflect to each other Mm. that they're so glad that they that this person shared this. Thank you so much. I see so much of myself in this. Like it is, ah, it's amazing to hold space for people to heal each other. Mm. Wow. It's yeah. What a domino effect. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Ah, um, another one, one of the last things I want to bring up is you have a post where you say, you know, you have like two things being by yourself versus being with yourself. So mm-hmm. I think this is such a good note to kind of wrap up on for you to tell us the difference because, you know, people's biggest fears is is being by themselves. So could you tell us the difference between being by yourself and being with yourself? Yeah. Well, being by yourself is like, you know, I think a lot of us have done that during COVID, right? Is I'm just, I'm, I'm by myself right here. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to, you know, have cocktails on Zoom with my friends, whatever. And a lot of times we, we conflate that with being with yourself, which is a whole different energy. So being with yourself is actually this ability to have stillness within yourself and to be able to pause and slow down and really truly enjoy your own company. Wow. And it's so interesting that you're saying this and and we brought it up in the concept of breaking up, but I I hear how important that is to do that in relationship. Yes. That's honestly wow. what gets in the way that you're not being with yourself in the relationship. Right. Exactly. And it's like, if you can perfect being with yourself in a relationship, you can perfect that anywhere. Mm. So I, a lot of, you know, I'm single right now. So I'm really working on, this is something that's been big for me because I do abandon myself inside of relationships. And so I'm working on how can I deeply be with myself in, you know, all different circumstances and just have this, this groundedness and anchor myself here. And then I know that when I go into a relationship, that is something that I really have to put attention on is keeping that, that sense of groundedness within myself. Mm, Right. Cause then it sounds like you're focusing on yourself as opposed to putting all your attention on them. What do they need? How do you put their needs before yours? Yeah. 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 And then it, then you're like, Oh wait, where did all my power go? Whoops. Right. Right. (laughs) So so this whole time, you're you don't understand why you try to make them happy and they're not happy and you are depleted of all this power and you're like what is happening yeah and you've yeah. been doing it the whole time you've been choosing you've been doing to- it the whole time and then one day you wake up and you're like oh gosh i'm a raisin of my former self <laughs> shriveled up oh my god i love that visual yes <laughs> a raisin <laughs> Oh, so good. I I honestly just feel so much peace from this conversation um, mm-hmm. because we've just brought approval to something very taboo. And that's my favorite thing to do. That's also, you know, how I how I post on my social media. So thank you so much for uh, for allowing me to to have that space for you, you know, and, and share this message of breakups can look like anything. They're all OK. It's all happening for you. 
And there's so many lessons there to learn. It's such a beautiful thing. It could be the best thing that ever happened to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like you you get a chance to die without actually leaving your human body. Right. And then you rebuild from that. Yeah. Phoenix rising. Yeah, totally. Beautiful. So tell, you know, tell my my listeners how they can reach out to you. How can they connect or work with you? The best way to find me is through um, Instagram. I hang out there a lot. Uh, and my Instagram is Breakup Breakthrough. And then you can find me on my website, breakupbreakthrough.com. I do monthly uh, workshops, heartbreak healing workshops, and those are over Zoom. And then I also have a membership community. If you want to heal in community, come on in, send me a DM. We'll talk about it. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This was such a pleasure. It's so much fun. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of Commitment Phobe. If this episode left an impact on you, please share with friends, family, loved ones, ex-lovers, the people in your life who you think would benefit from listening to these conversations. If you're curious about the kind of work that I do as an intuitive coach, head on over to my website, www.tanaimelgram.com, where you can learn more about what I do with my one-on-one coaching clients, group coaching programs, and you can set up a discovery call with me to see how I can be of support to you. You could also follow me on Instagram on my handle at Tanai Milgram. I'm always posting content about what I'm up to and new insights, new learnings that I'm getting along my journey. And please head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review if you like what you heard. So together we can start changing the conversation we're having about intimacy and commitments. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Thank you.